Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. I'm not sure I want to agree to this. Okay, this this video will not incriminate you, Jim Parkin. <laughs> I don't know. That's good. true. It'll be good. Well, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast, family and friends. It's Easter week. It is Easter week. Or Holy Week, as they say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, tomorrow in some denominations or across Christianity is called Maundy Thursday. Something to that effect. Okay. I don't know. I don't know either. That's like the, the day before the day. I think it's like, so that would be, right? It would be Thursday or early morning Friday that Jesus is taken custody, right? That's true. Yeah. Wild. So it on that wild. note, what we're doing this time, I've done this before, but this is a different context that I'm going to do. Tonight, on this Easter week episode, we are going through the crucifixion, and this is how I'm going to read through this. It is a medical examiner's report. It's written in that context by an actual board, like certified crime scene investigator and medical examiner who was certified in Indiana. This is his report. Okay. So... You ready? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. It says, and and again, this is a a certified individual, and he's written this as he would narrate uh, like a crime scene investigation. And so like to give context for our non-medical or non-EMS people. So when we go onto a scene and it's like a, a cardiac arrest, and we're unable to get the person back, or it's a DOA where, and that can be a multitude of things. Like somebody was, hasn't been heard from in several days and we do what they call a welfare check and then we'll go and if, you know, or the police will go or a neighbor or a family and they find the person deceased, then typically it's a paramedic and his partner's EMS responsibility to go and confirm that that person is in fact deceased, which probably 99.8% of the time that's the case. And then we get on the radio and we call a local hospital. In our case, it's typically Hurley. And we, even though it's not accurate at this point, at this point in the story, it's not accurate, but we get a time of death. Okay. And what I'll say is I'll get on, I'll say this is 198. You know, I'm on scene with... Uh, in our case tonight, a 33-year-old male, he's been found, he's, you know, unknown downtime, obvious signs of death, you know, blah, 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 I need a time of death, and they'll say time of death is, time is it now, 8.45, or they'd say 20.45 per Dr. Ice, or Dr. Newblad, or whoever, okay. and then I write that in a report, and then I get back on with 911, with Central Dispatch, say center from 198 and they jump on and say give me an MEI medical investigator examiner and then they come to the scene 
right? And then they take pictures and they they look. If it's just a guy passed away at home alone, it's usually no big deal. If it seems sketchy in any way, they dig a little deeper. Right. So this gentleman who has written this report is writing the report as if he is gone to the scene, excuse me, and is now investigating the process of Jesus's death. All right, it says, upon review of the scene and the remains of the body of Jesus of Nazareth, I have concluded that the manner of the death of Jesus is murder, while the cause of death is cardiac rupture. This report will support my findings and show how the crucifixion killed Jesus and the results of what happened to his body during the process. Prior to the crucifixion of Jesus, prior to crucifixion, Jesus was beaten and there were many lacerations to his torso and his back with a crown of thorns that was forced onto his head. His scalp and face were also severely lacerated. His body was covered in blood in blood lost during this scourging. Um, side note, scourging is like, uh, would be whipping. Typically the, it'd be a prisoner. The prisoner would be handcuffed or tied to a post and they'd be whipped. The scourge, the instrument they use, would be like a stick or rod with leather straps that would have like pieces of wood or in that day, bone and whatever. So it wouldn't just be beating him. It'd be tearing his flesh. Okay, so his body was covered in the blood lost during this, this scourging. But as we can see by the cause of death, the sanguination or loss of blood was not the primary cause of death. And, and it kind of goes, it's going to skip ahead. Um, so I'm just going to fill in here a little bit. So after Jesus is beaten, because that's kind of the, if you look at or in scripture or in the narrative, uh, Jesus has been arrested and he's been taken to Pontius Pilate. Right. Um, and Pilate is like, this dude hasn't really done anything. Right. So like, I'm going to be hands off on this. Like, I don't know what you guys want from me, but the Pharisees are kind of pushing the case. Like you can look at this in, in several different ways. A lot of it seems super political to me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, for sure. <laughs> you know, trying to be on the right side of, of Rome if you will, if you're a Pharisee, trying to turn this guy over, trying to stay in in the good graces of Rome. Um, so, as we know, then finally, Pilate's like, well, it's the Passover or whatever the celebration is, so you can pick one dude to go free, and you have Barabbas and Jesus, who still punches Pilate. It's like, this dude really hasn't done anything, but I got to let the crowd decide, and they take the criminal. Right. Right. So now this is when Pilate sends Jesus for the scourging or the beatdown, the initial one. So this happens. His body's torn to shreds. Um, medically speaking, he'd be in shock. You know, he'd be probably because of the time and place. Sepsis would be seeking. Certainly would be starting to creep in. Um, he probably would start be starting to have fluid build up in his lungs. Um, also when you think about, so they beat him, they drag him away. And this is before they make him carry the cross up the hill to Calvary. They have that heavy, super heavy robe or cloak on his back. 
and they crank the crown of thorns down in his head. We know that the scalp is supervascular, so there's tons of blood from that. But what I never thought of until reading this report is that then the next day, before they send him up the hill with the cross, they rip that cloak off. So you can imagine open wounds and that heavy yeah. cloak yeah. in them. So whatever coagulation or clotting or closing of wounds has, whatever that healing process that has started, because we know the body is amazing, starts to heal almost instantly, those scabs are ripped off. And now we have open wounds again. And an in shock, exhausted B-Town Jesus, carry this tree that you spoke into existence up this hill. Let's go. Okay. And now, so we kind of fast forward in the report here. And now Jesus is on the cross. It says, Jesus, while on the cross, was nailed by his hands and feet. His feet were crossed and affixed to the bottom of the cross. His hands were nailed outside, outstretched to kind of the crossbar or of the obviously cross. There were also, as the Romans made their their crosses, a small wood block that Jesus could use to help hold himself up. And while it was to use to support him, was so diabolical and gross about this is that that piece of wood, that block that he can stand on, is actually the thought process of the Romans is that he, they suffer, that that prisoner being crucified suffers longer. Otherwise, he would just, his body would just drop. Mm. Okay. And it would be so. Okay. So there, there, I'll go back. So there was also what the Romans made on the crosses was the wooden block that Jesus could use to help hold himself up to prolong the suffering of the crucifixion. But being in this position, his knees were bent at approximately 45 degrees most of the time that he hung on the cross. This would cause severe muscle cramping in the thighs and calves due to supporting his entire body weight on the mid-thigh. The weight would have to be transferred as Jesus hung on the cross. Um, as it reads, my estimation is that within 12 to 19 minutes, his shoulders would begin to dislocate. Upon review of the body, Jesus' arms are six inches longer than they were before the crucifixion. Imagine that. Like, like six inches is... <laughs> is an enormous amount of dislocation, but is um, within 15 minutes of his shoulders giving out his elbows and ultimately his wrists also dislocate, adding to the suffering. When his arms dislocate, it causes his pectoral muscles to begin to tighten, so his chest walls begin to close in. When this happens, his rib cage begins to be pulled inward and upward. And like we said the last time, what this is, it basically is pulling his torso into traction. So everything's locked up. You need that movement to be able to exhale. So um, when this happened, his rib cage began to be pulled inward and upward, or in other words, into traction, since his arms were now well above his chest. At this point, it became very hard to breathe, and Jesus had to force himself in position to breathe, which means he would he would have to push up with his feet that are nailed to the cross in like a good foot or foot and a half in order to, you know, make room or make the torso into a position where he can exhale. And then obviously he's in this kind of pain. So he would then drop and then automatically inhale. So inhaling became more frequent as his body begins to fatigue. Once this happens, 
fear of asphyxiation sets in, so you frantically begin to breathe to keep from suffocating. That's any time. That's what happens to people when they have an asthma attack. Okay. Right. They, they can't breathe, so they breathe. They're breathing faster and harder because their body is in the fight or flight, desperately not wanting to suffocate. Okay. Yep. So every breath brought more pain. Jesus having to lift himself up on dislocated shoulders, wrists, and elbows, which whilst being shortness of breath. So then he's panting, but the breaths become more, you know, become less frequent because of just exhaustion and pain and suffering. Um, it goes kind of back here. It says, when the nails were driven into Jesus' wrist, it shattered his median nerves. And this is interesting. I never, I didn't remember reading this. I've studied a lot of these. Um, so there was no broken bones. When they recover the body, Jesus had no broken bones. Ooh, I didn't know that. I kind of had assumed. I just assumed. That through but when you wrist. go through the wrist, it goes, they went through and missed the bone, the radius and ulnar bone, okay. and just blew out the, the nerves. So that, yeah. does I that mean that. that it would been, it would have been like down been, through here? I yes. can't see your hand. Yes. Okay. Because up here we have all of the, like the wrist like right. bones and stuff. Okay. Right. Okay. Wild. Okay. Keep in mind, Jesus had no bone broken bones, which is very uncommon in a crucifixion. Although there were dislocations and torn nerves, no bones were broken. Hypoxia or low oxygen in the blood begins to set in as breathing became less frequent and less effective. When this happens, Jesus begins to pant because his body's starving for oxygen. With his body going into panic mode, Jesus begins to, to he would begin to gasp for, uh, he began to gasp and would more frequently raise and lower himself on the cross. At this point, that actually becomes involuntary. Because your body is just Forcing trying you to, to survive. Alive. Yeah. Do whatever it needs to do to stay alive, right? So he's pushing himself up on this little piece of wood with his arms outstretched and his feet and hands nailed and all the dislocations um, with his body hanging on the cross as it was, no matter how hard he tried to get more oxygen, it was impossible for him to be able to get enough oxygen to supply his body. The twin forces of hypoxia, too little oxygen and hypercapnia, too much CO2 causes heart to beat faster and faster. And Jesus developed tachycardia, which is, Heart rate's over 100, over 100 beats per minute, that is tachycardia. Okay. Then what happens if that lasts over several minutes? It just increases and increases and increases. And usually it maxes out at a rate of 220 beats a minute. So let's think about this. My resting heart rate, as we're sitting here right now, is probably somewhere between 50 and 58. So put that in context, 220 beats a minute for all our medical people. Yep, 220 beats a minute. Which is, two, 220 is, the, is in healthcare is marked as the, or in medicine rather, is marked as the maximum sustainable heart rate. Uh, examination, Jesus was severely dehydrated and had drank no fluids for over 15 hours. 
And after being beaten and knocked down and nailed to a cross, he was becoming more dehydrated with every movement, with a constant loss of blood on top of having trouble breathing and a heart rate much higher than normal. Uh, Jesus' condition is growing worse with every breath. Also, with this great loss of blood, Jesus' blood pressure dropped drastically under these conditions. The blood pressure would be estimated somewhere in the realm of 80 over 50 for a man of his age. In a situation like this, it should be more like 160 over 110, just based on the stress of the situation. He was in first-degree shock with hypovolemia, low blood volume, tachycardia, excessive, uh, excessively fast heart rate, tachycypnia, which is excessively fast respiratory rate, and hyperhidrosis, excessive sweating. Okay. Jesus was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m., and by noon, his heart began to fail. Fluid began to fill around his heart, causing cardiac tamponade. Uh, the fluid around the heart, what that does is just it prevents the heart from beating properly. And time of death is marked at 3 p.m. Jesus died due to cardiac rupture, which just exactly like it sounds, his heart was beating so fast and was so fatigued that it would have just burst his heart blew up and then Jesus died. But what's important to note is in this last section that I read, you know, of where, you know, cardiac tamponade is beginning, tachycardia is beginning, tachycardia, hypovolemia, first degree shock would be the time frame when he's telling the prisoner next to him, you'll be, you know, in paradise with me today. And he's, asking God, why have you forsaken me? And then right in the, with the last breaths here, right prior, I would probably, if I'm a betting man, say about 2.58 is when he's saying, you know, it is finished hmm. and then passes away. Yeah, because the one guy on the one side is like, like, dude, if you're really the son of God, like, get us down from this. Like, what are you like, doing? <laughs> do something. <laughs> right? But like, like kind of an angry mocking. Right. Like Not if so you're much the of guy, a plead. The it's guy like you say you are. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one is basically like kind of scolding him, and yeah. then telling Jesus like, "Forgive me, like remember me in paradise." You know. So it's just while they're enduring this insane amount of suffering, right? They have enough time and, <laughs> and breath. To, there's to, still this dialogue happening, right? Which is is amazing. And there's a section that I read, I was reading several today. I was going through several medical reports on this subject. And there was one, this doc, and she's, I think, from John Hopkins. And she was basically how people will say, well, in regards to the resurrection, he clearly didn't die and was just hidden away. And like three days later, you know, and now he's, the tomb is empty. Well, <laughs> so if for some strange reason he survives all of this stuff, even multi-symptom or multi-system failure, his just due to the stress of it, his muscles are basically attacking each other. His body is destroying itself and they, he ends up in a condition known as uh, rhabdomyosis, which is just your muscle breakdown. And like, there's so much things that happen, like kidney failure. 
Well, he gets pierced know? in the side also. He gets pierced, right. And so so when we talk about that, the, the centurion pierces his side in the end. And, like, it looks like water. Probably it would be water or fluid, clear fluid and blood mixture would pour out of him. And that would be from, because he was the inability to breathe and all those things happening also, with all the other stuff reported here in this medical examiner's report, there'd be like flash pulmonary edema. So as long as we'd be filling with fluid. And so, so he's like, really it's the hyperventilating, you know, the breathing too fast and inadequately the heart is a, is cardiac tamponade, saccharine heart filled with fluid and really it's blood. And, um, pulmonary edema, like all these things are happening. That's how, like how it medically would have transpired. But again, still, while all this happening, he's forgiving these dudes that are doing it. While like the suffering, the unimaginable suffering to take a breath, forgive them. They, They have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, I never realized how how much was actually going on medically with the body and how much right. move, movement there would be. Right. Um, and really, yeah. you want to know something, honestly? These yeah. studies, what's, uh, what is the guy that wrote uh, Case for Christ? Is Lee, Lee Strobel. Strobel? Mm-hmm. Okay, because so in his research... He's the first guy when he was researching, when he was trying to disprove all of this, Yeah, he went to a doc and the doc broke him down. And it's so years ago, the one doctor broke him down medically, what would have happened? I'll show you the science. That's wild. And so it was after Mr. Strobel and his book in the movie and all the things that other docs, now docs write papers on this. They go through this and they're like, of course, still some to try and disprove, but, right. but it's just, just, I think I, I don't like reading through this and thinking about it. It's just heavy, but I think it's good, especially we're talking to medical people. Oh, for just sure. Just to have a context of, of this is what we would find when we arrived at scene and we're going to call for time of death. This is what we're going to be describing. These are the wounds we're going to see. This is what we're going to know from our training that has gone on here. Yeah. It's, it's wild to think of six hours on a cross like that. And from what I remember, too, is that if they want to kind of hurry up the process, they would break the prisoner's right. legs, right, to hurry up yes. him so they could suffocate they and they die. They would hobble him, yes, and so they, they would drop. They, wouldn't do, they didn't do that with Jesus and that he gave right. up his life. Mm-hmm. Um, that he... Yeah, he he released his spirit. He gave up his life willingly, you know. So even mm-hmm. just one more that he, and, and then I was reading something I think last week about how he he wrestled in the garden. Mm-hmm. That Jesus's fight, like even spiritually over what he was going to do, he did that in the garden, mm-hmm. um, and why that was so key because that because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden. So Jesus's wrestle in the garden um, was key there. Um, 
and it's wild to me that he, because um, scripture talks about he was led like a lamb to slaughter, mm-hmm. that he was mm-hmm. just so calm, that he was so, he didn't argue with Pilate. He didn't mm-hmm. have to plead a case. Like he was going to do what he had set out and planned yeah. to do. And um, I, I, I did, uh, you know, when the, what was the movie that came out that, was it Mel Gibson that did it? The Passion. Passion the Passion mm-hmm. of, Christ, of the Christ. Yeah. And it's hard for me to watch any type of like really gory movie, seeing people yeah, really abused or torn up. It was very gnarly. And so um, it's hard to fathom a person movie, going through that, let alone like Jesus doing that for yeah. us. I've watched it several times now. And it's always just as hard. Like, if I'm honest, I'm always just as weepy. I'm always just as, like, pumped up like I would be in, in any other movie when he, the scourging, when he's being beaten. Yes. And then he pushes himself up, like, almost like to throw his chest out, pushes himself up on that post. Yeah. As if to say, you're not done yet. Yeah. Keep going. Like, it's such a powerful film but like yeah i don't think people because well like growing up you know it was only the last few years that i really dug into this in this way right but it was always just jesus right. died on the cross and that's enough that's all i need to hear but it, it really it takes it to a whole different level when you like read exactly you go through medically exactly what his body would have gone through yeah yeah. And then also the condition of the blood where it says is sweating drops of blood. That's the actual real condition brought on by panic attack and like fear and stress at a level that you actually, your blood pressure goes so high that there's actual trace amounts of blood in the sweat. And what that would have been from, if you look at it, if you, we can take the, his physical man, Jesus, and we can enter, we can mix scripture in here. And he knows what is about to happen. He is about to take the heat. He is about to take the rap for all of mankind forever's sin. The weight of that. And like you said a minute ago, he's wrestling with the idea. He keeps saying that there's another way. Take this cup from my hands, dad. But if it's your will also, I'll do this. Like... (laughs) Well, and then the Bible talks about that, like, seldom a good man will die for someone that he cares about, Mm -hmm. but that we know the love of God because Jesus laid his life down for all of us. Like, I mean, I might might throw myself in front of harm's way for, like, my kids— Maybe mm-hmm. maybe my husband, but you know, I'm I'm right. hoping he can like take care of himself in whatever crisis situation. Right. But to be beaten and tortured like Christ was. Yeah, dude. Because like I've told you before, Ashley Chandler, I've been waiting my whole life for my grenade to dive on. But <laughs> torture? I don't know about torture and crosses and can't breathe. Thing boom blows up. Oh, he was such a great guy. He died right, <laughs> right, right. You know, but like 
the part in the movie that gets me every time was when um, they were whipping him and it gets stuck in his abdomen. Mm-hmm. And they like... Oh, and all this. Yeah. Yank it out. Right. And that's what that would be. That's what... that's And that's like... And in this in, in examination of it, this medical examiner's report, that's important information because he's got open flesh, open wounds. Wounds where there'd be muscle involvement, tendon involvement. Yeah. He's already becoming dehydrated. I think it's safe to say he didn't sleep so well, you know. Um, And the one that really got me, I hadn't considered the thing with they put that heavy purple cloak on him and yank it off his body. He did just tore all that flesh wide open. I would almost think that that would be intentional to kind of further stop the bleeding so that he could make it to the crucifixion. Because they whipped him, what, one minus what would normally kill somebody would be the death penalty for whipping. So they did minus one so they could basically beat him as much as possible without killing him so they could have him crucified. Yes. Well, and I think that was Pilate's kind of like, hey, I I disciplined him. I did the thing. I so, did the thing. Yep, that's exactly him. right. That's and they exactly and that right. still wasn't good enough. So, I, yeah. And didn't he right, send him to Caesar? He sent him to Caesar, Caesar or something too. They sent him to be seen by somebody else too. I thought, and then he came back. And there's somewhere in scripture where Pilate and the other guy ended up being friends thereafter, or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's. I, yeah, I think. I, yeah, something. There's a lot going but on. But I know there's a lot of politics happening, and there's oh, a lot of staying yeah. in good, the good graces of Rome. Yeah. You know. Well, and l- let's just remember that this guy was, I say this guy, Jesus had been spending, what, three years going around teaching, yeah. healing. Like a three-year mission. Yeah, his ministry Casting out demons. Years. I mean, people yeah, were. From 30 to 33. Yep. People would hear that he was in town and it would, everybody was bringing everybody they knew in mobs mm-hmm. of people to just right. touch his cloak to be healed. Yeah. So this wasn't just some obscure guy. Like he had wrecked the frame, the framing of yeah, what dude. the Pharisees thought he was doing. People thought he was going to like upset Rome and people thought he was going to be the new Jewish leader. Like there's Mm -hmm. all these things. Right. And so, yeah, there's a ton of politics, a a ton of layers of what Jesus was impacting in the world at that time. And it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Right. Cause really Jesus hacked culture. (laughs) Right. Cause even in the way, you know, I've heard, sermons and and other pastors say that even in the way he would tell a parable like the prodigal son the senior jewish father ran to no one that didn't happen they didn't run towards the lost or the you know or the son that wasn't a thing yeah you know what i mean and so about that he, he comes through and he's spinning culture on his ear you know where it's this is just not how we've ever done things. Yeah. It's always been, this is not how we've done. It. It's always been done this way, which is interesting to me because we find ourselves in modern culture with a lot of times we, we get ourselves stuck. Oh uh, yeah. This is how it's always been done. 
the, these are the rules and the processes and, and the framework in which we have operated. Um, right. Don't don't come here and turn it all upside down. And I'm down. trying to show you this right here. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is the system. This is how it's always been done. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, but then who was it? Which, uh, which of the Pharisees would come to him by night asking him questions? Do you oh, remember? I, I know that's a thing. And he did believe. One. He did believe and he was asking him, teacher. And I think, um, was he the one that said, how, how is it? Um, is he the one that he said, um, one must be born again? Yeah. I think it was him. And he's like, well, how can a man be born a twice time. a second time? You know? <laughs> so, I, oh, yeah. The questions, dude. It oh, I know. Amazing. It's so funny, though. I mean, so often. I mean, I'll, man, I won't. That's my life. I don't get it. I mean, we don't see it until we see it, you know? And then all of a sudden, it's just like, how did I not see it up until that point, right. you know? But, yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus turned well, everything upside down. And- my favorite dude in the Bible, honestly, my most favorite side, like small character, non-main yeah. dude, but the centurion that pierces his side, that really? once Jesus is, is dead, goes, in scripture, it's like, oh, it's basically like, oh, certainly this was he, the son of God. Like, and it's, it's most definitely the context, the way I feel him saying it is like, oh, what do we do? This was the son of God. I wonder if he ever sought out like the disciples, you know, and this, this is the thing this, like, I truly believe this is going to be the interesting thing. Like when we all get to heaven and like, I, you know, I wonder if that centurion dude, like sought out some of the disciples, believed in Jesus, got saved. Like now, maybe maybe we'll see him in heaven and we can have all like a conversation. No like, wouldn't that be um, that's wild? That's the first. That's the first person I'm looking for. Um, uh, the movie. There's a movie called Risen. Have you heard of this? Risen. I've heard of it, but is, I haven't seen it. It's kind of schmaltzy a little bit. Okay. Um, pretty good A-list actors are in it. I guess A to B-list actors, but okay. in any case. Risen is from the perspective of like what would be the sergeant at arms, the the Roman soldier in charge of okay. overseeing the crucifixion. And then so then then he goes, you know, three days pass and they go and they check the tomb. The Pharisees doing it's empty and they're like, what? Oh, shoot. In the Somebody's actual, like, oh, damn. And like so then word gets back and this guy comes out. And he looks and he's like, oh, where is it gone? Where have you taken him? Yeah. Now he's coming down on the family. Like, where did you take him? And they're like, dude, what are you talking about? Still in mourning. And then it's after that that Jesus shows up with his disciples. And then this guy in the movie, this, this Roman soldier is like catching glimpse of Jesus. And, like, and then he does go to, so it's not like scriptural. But he does yeah. go, this dude yeah. does go to the, the More disciples. More kind of like a, what a, yeah. No, that's great, though, because when Jesus appears, they're, like, all hiding. Because, oh. hey, like, they just they just killed Jesus, so they're probably after the rest of us, too, now. You know? Yeah, dude. Crap definitely hit the fan. We and, gotta run this thing out low-key now. But they're, like, right? hiding with locked doors, right? And Jesus yeah. is, he appears to them. <laughs> It's like, hey, don't be afraid, guys. It's just me. Don't be afraid. Don't don't freak out. (laughs) And has to what? Like Thomas has to actually show him his hands. Yeah. 
to prove. Like, no, it's Don't freak it's out, really boys. Me. However, they're probably trying to be, this is the thing. These are the things to me where it's like I get a chuckle. Because, I mean, you know they want to be like, ah! But really, they're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like catatonic, like scared stiff for a moment. I can't, I can't even imagine. Me neither. Yeah. Oh, and so I'll be honest with you, like as we go into Easter, you know, and all that, I've been thinking a lot lately on just the way we do business as humans and the way, especially in our country, how we become so tribal. And so like you're either on the right or the left, you're either red or you're blue and it's this or it's that. Yeah. And with all the infighting and all the bickering and on all the things, if Christ came back during the social media age, during this tribal point in our country would we miss it would people who think they are so christian because they're so republican miss it when this christ comes back and once again is hacking culture as we know it yeah because we definitely don't love our neighbor like he loved like as commanded right we hear it but we don't necessarily always do it very well I just, I, I mean, I sincerely, I'm not trying to bash people or anything. I just wonder. I wonder that for myself. Yeah. I wonder well, if Christ comes back and we see a David Koresh Waco figure and we're like, oh, better get the uh, FBI on this guy because he's saying some things. Right? Like. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll say for myself that, you know, reading scripture I mean, his parables confuse me. I'm so glad that it's documented so often where the disciples are like, "We, so what did you mean by that? <laughs> yes. Because he's not yes. dumbing it down just for the disciples. I'm like, I'm sitting there too going, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm not super smart, <laughs> you right. know, in that way. Right. And, um, and I, Jesus, when he engaged with people, he he knew, being God, he knew what they needed in that moment. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, I mean, what what is it? He answered out of how many hundreds of questions, he directly actually answered them only a few times. He usually <laughs> responded in parables and sayings and, uh-huh. and all these other things. And so his ways, his wisdom, his understanding is so much higher than ours that oftentimes... You know, for me, I get inside my own head with all, kind of like what we were talking about before we got on air. There's there's these murky, muddy situations of mm-hmm. how would Jesus respond to people? He would know their heart. He would know what they needed mm-hmm. deeper than just A or B answer to whatever they were actually right. asking on the outside. And I think right. that that's what's required of us as Christians to rely on God to listen mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit, to let him lead us, to not just walk into right. situations and conversations and be like, this is what I believe you need to hear. No, yeah, no like, no, no. God, what do you actually have for this person? What should I say? Because right. it's, they need to hear from God. They don't need to hear from us. Right. They need to know Jesus. They don't need to just have a great relationship with us in the church. They need to know Jesus. Right. And then Jesus will lead them through all these things. Yeah. And he'll, you know, like, yes, we're in community, but... We're not their God. We're not the answer mm-hmm. and end all be all. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to answer everything perfectly. And it's okay sometimes to be like, oh, no. I don't, I don't know, but God loves I, I'm you. Just, <laughs> you right. Know? And I'm just like, fortunately, I'm, I'm blessed to not be that guy. Yeah. I, I fully am 
know my I know my limits. Yeah. I know my capabilities and embrace that his ways are higher than my ways and will be I don't know, homie. Let's look it up. And See, it's like, taken what? me a long time to get to that <laughs> like, point. I just I sure don't know. Let's let's I know where to look. Let's look it up. Because like let's look it up together. And I'll tell you, like, there's a, there's scripture that talks about like, do not worry about what you will say, but at the time the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And there have been moments that I'm like, I'm not hearing anything. I have absolutely (laughs) no idea what to say, you know, but seriously, I mean, in those moments, it's like, no, they just, they need encouragement. They need to be reminded. People are like, what is she waiting on? This is an awkward pause. Give me two. Give me two minutes. I'll be right back. <laughs> I need to go have just, quiet time. Yeah, I know yeah, we're no, laughing man. about I it, just, but I it's mean, it's just better yeah. that I don't know that. Uh, but, but also, that's me. That has come from years of reconciling with the things I've seen, yeah. and done in my work life, and just being like, ah, it's better that. No, that's good. You know that I just know you're with me. I don't need a bunch of answers. Yeah, probably better that I don't know. I'm just going to trust. <clears throat> you know what I mean? No, that's good. But like, yeah. So. That's good. It's all heavy, man. This ain't easy. No, I'm, I'm glad that you Christianity is not easy. And I'm glad that you went through this again, that I really enjoyed it the other year when we did it. And there was new things this time that I didn't remember you reading last time. And it's just, it's really good. And, and this, this time around, I'm really kind of hit with how steady and focused Jesus was going right. to be beaten and and sitting before Pilate, standing before Pilate and going to the cross. Like how he wrestled in the garden, but man, he just, he, he went right for it after that. You know, once he yeah. settled, no, this is what I need to do. And once um, that was, once, yeah, once he struggled through the garden, once that part is over. And this is the mission. Because I want, I want to be like that. I think oftentimes I'll get into the mission, and then I want to run back to the garden and be like, "Can we deliberate this like all over again?" (laughs) It's like God's like, "No, you know, you know." And so to be able to hold on to what God has promised me and asked of me, and to trust Him, um, I I want to have more of that. Like, well, yeah. yeah, no, it's good. I'm telling you, it's not always easy. But no. that God does give good missions. At the same time, I've posted this before: following Jesus will be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like how many disciples? He had a wonderful plan for your life, upside down crucifixion. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, like so many characters in the Bible, like Paul. Paul is walking to his death, saying the final most amazing words you know is i've finished the race i've fought the good fight like speaking this out still pouring into all of us all these years later just before they take his head yeah you know it's just it's more than just sunday you know what i mean it's more than Absolutely. just 100 i do all the right things and listen to all the right music and watch all the right movies and never say naughty words and never have a beer and never all these things. I, I have that locked down. It's like, while some of that's important, there's a lot more to it. And there's a lot more trust, a lot more, you know, 
The harder part I, is letting him into all of those secret places we want to yeah. keep tucked away, you know, in our right. life. Yeah. Because what's amazing is that you would find is there's quite a bit of freedom and salvation. You know what I mean? There's there's quite a bit there that... Oh, yeah. But it's just like standing in the door, jumping out of plane. Or standing in the door and the whole house is on fire and you got to get in there and knock that fire down. It's yeah. those. It's the same thing. It's those same little fear moments where all the good stuff's on the other side of it. So. That's good. That's good. So, well, gang, that's all we have for this week. Like I said, Easter is coming up. Find a church on Sunday. Go to it. Freedom Center is a good spot to go. We, that's our that's our hub. We have to plug it. Or come to Freedom Center Grand Blank or a.k.a. Grand Blank House Campus mm-hmm. on Monday evening. We are doing communion, so that would be a good night to come. That would be cool. So that's it. Any final thoughts, co-host? Nope. I um, It's just good. Just, I know it's a Sunday school answer, but I don't know. Every time you think that you can't go any farther, I think it's like God just opens up a whole new part of the adventure. And it's so hard sometimes, but God knows what he's doing. And it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So almost a lot of times it's better because it's not easy. Yeah. But I'm also not a normal human. Don't take my word for it. I'm working on that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Thank you, Freedom Center Church and Kingdom Builders. And happy Easter, everybody. Bye.